Welcome to Cocktails and Capital, the working on your business podcast that feels more like grabbing a drink with your best friend. I'm your host, Sarah Tatum, that best friend. I'm the owner of Tatum Accounting, where we invite our clients to take a vacation from their bookkeeping. In this podcast, I'm going to give it to you straight. Talking points and vague tips, we don't do that here. There's a bunch of noise out there in the entrepreneur community, especially when it relates to finances. And when you're trying to run your business, you just don't have time for that. And I know that you would rather be doing literally anything other than recording expenses and logging into your accounting software. So I'm bringing you practical advice without any of the fluff, just like your best friend would. So turn the volume up, grab your gin and tonic, and let's dive into this week's theme. Are you ready to take a vacation from your bookkeeping? But your business is not quite there yet. At Tatum Accounting, we have plans that scale with your business, making them affordable at every stage. For the business owner who needs help with their accounting, but maybe is not ready to completely outsource their books, check out our new Office Hours package. With Office Hours, you get access to our private Facebook group filled with educational resources, webinars, and tools to make managing your books so much easier. The best part? Private, weekly, one-on-one support. Jump on weekly calls with an accountant to discuss anything and everything. Pricing, expenses, QuickBooks, we're here to get your questions answered. For just $150 a month, sign up for our office hours by visiting tatumaccounting.com forward slash office dash hours, or visit our show notes for the link. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, welcome to episode 23 of Cocktails and Capital. Today we are talking independent contractors again, and how you can tell if your client is starting to treat you like an employee. Uh, This is a super, super important boundary to maintain with your clients and one that I'm sure many of you have felt threatened that the boundary has been threatened by your client. And so we want to make sure that we understand exactly how a client could possibly be treating us like an employee and how we can mitigate that and avoid issues in the future. We all want our relationships with our clients to be amicable, friendly, and generally just run your business having a good time. Um, And when your clients start to treat you as an employee, that makes that very, very difficult. So first thing we're going to talk about today is kind of the legal side, the IRS side. Yes, the lovely Internal Revenue Service. Uh, We're going to talk about them and how they establish that independent contractor employer relationship. Um, And then we're going to get into some of the, like the examples of how this can kind of happen. So we're going to dive right in episode 23. Let's do it. So why does this even matter? Why do we want our clients to adhere to that boundary? So it matters because you're running your own business. This is your business. It's under your control. And as soon as the client starts to treat you like an employee, nothing is under your control anymore. And you're suddenly tiptoeing this line between upsetting the client by pushing your boundary or doing more than you are contracted for in your scope of work. Uh, Because you, again, don't want to upset that client. You want to maintain that relationship. You want to get paid. Um, Maybe it's somebody that you really, really wanted to work with. Like they completely fit your vibe. They're your ideal client. Um, and then suddenly the relationship is starting to sour because they want to kind of cross that boundary and overreach that border. So it's super important 
mainly to protect your relationships with your clients and to protect yourself, but also to adhere to federal regulations as far as the IRS is concerned and to follow the letter of the law. And we all do not want to do anything illegal while running our businesses, right? So that um, in and of itself is pretty much why it all is very important and why it matters. So let's get into the ABCs of the independent contractor. This is a guideline um, pretty much established by the Internal Revenue Service. And it's what we use to make sure that we're staying in compliance as far as the independent contractor relationship. And it's something that you are certainly able to use as well. So ABC stands for absence of control, um, the business of the worker, and customarily engaged. So what the heck does that even mean, right? So we've talked about absence of control before in different words. Absence of control generally means that the client does not have control over your work. And that by that, they do not have control over the time that you work, the amount of hours that you work, um, unless it's for a contracted rate at a certain amount of hours. They, But you still have the control of if that contract, if you're contracted for like six hours of work and that contract of the thing that you are set to complete in six hours seems like it's going to take a little bit more time and you've got to bump it up to eight hours. All you have to do is let that client know within a reasonable amount of time, as long as it's in your contract and all that other legal stuff, this is an illegal podcast. All you have to do is let the client know and that control maintains within you, the freelancer, the subcontractor, the independent contractor, et cetera, et cetera. If the client is controlling the amount of hours that you work, if the client is controlling the amount of pay that you're receiving, as in they are setting the rate, if the client is providing you the contract to sign in order to do this work. Those are all indicators that you, the contractor, do not have control. You are in absence of control. And when you are in absence of control, you are an employee. So maintain your level of control by having a contract, having a set amount of money that you charge clients. And you can do this based on tiers, ABC, blah, blah, blah. We will talk about that on another podcast episode. You can also retain control by using your own tools. So that would be like for us, that is using our QuickBooks Online account and software and holding everybody's account that we work on underneath that online account and software. The client is providing us access, so we're not using their, they're not giving us an email to log into that account. We have our own process, our own procedure for logging into those accounts have processes and procedures in place that also gives you a level of control. So we have a bunch of processes and procedures in place here, whether it relates to internal work, employee work, um, how we interact with our clients, the manner in which we interact with our clients, which apps we use with specific clients on specific tiers. We have an entire like encyclopedia of processes and procedures. And that gives me the level of control that I need to run this business effectively. So when you're establishing the control for yourself, think of it as you are establishing the fact that you are the business owner. You know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly how much you're getting paid for it, how much time it's going to take you, et cetera, et cetera. That is pretty much 
all the control that you need. And when you start to let go of that control and you run into that absence of control territory, then we're losing our independent contractor status. So super important there. The B is for business of the worker. And what this generally means is say that you are a bakery and you hire outside legal counsel for your bakery. You are generally in the business of baking, right? You're making bread, you're baking cakes, cupcakes, donuts, etc., etc. Maybe you have a little coffee shop going on. Super cute. Love it. You do not provide legal advice. You're not a lawyer. You never went to law school. It's not in your wheelhouse. That is not the general business that you run. So since you're in the business of operating this bakery, when you hire outside legal counsel, that is their business. That is the business of the worker. So that person can be an independent contractor because they're not baking. They're not operating a bakery. They're not baking your cakes for you. They're not doing literally anything that you do in your day-to-day -day business. They are strictly there to provide legal advice to you, the bakery owner. So that is the business of the worker. On the other hand of that, if you are a graphic designer and a graphic design firm subcontracts out some work to you, you are doing the exact same business that that graphic design firm does. So now the business of the worker is the business of the client. This is the gray area for letter B. You are technically breaching into employee territory now and could technically be contracted, or I'm sorry, could technically be classified as a W-2 employee versus a 1099 contractor. So that is hopefully the clearest example I can provide of one versus the other. Business of the worker, super important. Your business has to be different than the person contracting you. C, customarily engaged. This kind of relates all into that control again. Customarily engaged means that you're generally running a business. You're generally doing a graphic design firm. You are generally operating an in-home bakery. You are generally operating an accounting firm. And so for somebody to contract this out to you, it is not unheard of. It is not something that you do out of the ordinary. This is in your customary line of work. It's something you know how to do, something you're experienced in, something you engage in frequently that is customarily engaged. So to recap this, A is the absence of control, B is the business of the worker, and C, you're customarily engaged in that work frequently. Now, the thing about the ABC rule is not only does it apply federally, but it also applies on the state level. And each state has a different opinion on the ABC rule. For example, we're based in Virginia. Virginia is very different um, when it comes to the ABC rule. You either meet A and B or you meet A and C and suddenly you're an employee. You do not have to meet all three. So take that with a grain of salt, but definitely check into your state and it's different requirements. Um, that also applies to the state in which you're contracting someone from. So if I were to contract someone from Florida, the rules would be different. There is going to be a link in the show notes for you 
where you can search by state. It has a whole list of all the states and you can search and see what their ABC requirements are uh, for your individual state or for a state that you're considering contracting someone from. So let's say you're going along, you're running your business, you're doing all the things, you think you've got control, you're not engaging in things that are not outside your scope of business, et cetera, et cetera. How do you find out if a client is starting to treat you like an employee? Well, first of all, the client is starting to give you massive amounts of deadlines and wanting you to take on more things that are outside of your scope of work. Now, taking on things outside of your scope of work is not necessarily an independent contractor relationship reaching item unless those items are going to be outside of your control. So if that becomes the case, you definitely need to have something written into your contract that protects you as the independent contractor. You have to have that conversation with your client and work with them to understand that the relationship that you two have and also the boundaries that you have. One of my favorite tools for establishing boundaries with our clients is a welcome packet. What this essentially does is allows me to, from the very onset, after they sign the contract and everything, allows me to establish all of our practices within the firm that the client can expect, should expect to follow, um, our timelines, our deadlines, et cetera, et cetera. So what it does is it protects me on a deadline and timeline basis, but it also gives the client an expectation that they can adhere to. Additionally, in our contract, we totally, I'll just be totally uh, transparent here. In our contract, it says that anything outside of our scope of work will be charged at an hourly rate and then added into a new addendum for the contract. Now, that is something that protects me as the accountant because people will generally try to add things in to no fault of their own, but ask us to do things that is outside of the scope of work. So our scope of work is very clearly outlined. Um, everything that you can expect is in our contract and in our proposal too. So there's two different places where we can refer to. So the minute that something is out of scope, it's going on to an addendum, it's getting charged at a different rate. The welcome packet also has what they can expect if they need a rush service, if there's any fees involved, if they're what the timeline is for rush services. And so we have that for all of our monthly clients and it really helps establish that baseline of expectations for both myself and the client. And really, I'm 99.9% sure I've said it before on here, but running a business is all about managing expectations between yourself, the client, and that is probably one of the hardest things that you have to do in business. So having something like a welcome packet, if you're a service-based business or um, having your shop rules, your shop policies, etc., is very much maintaining that control and keeping your relationship set between you yourself and your client or your purchaser. Another example of this, uh, and again, this is going to be all about boundaries, but another example of this is if the employee is requesting you to do something after your business hours, or if they are pretty much directing when you are supposed to be working. So say you're a virtual assistant and the client wants you to be present and available between the hours of eight and noon every single day. That is an employee directive. That is not something that as an independent contracted virtual assistant that you adhere to. With independent contracting, you're setting your hours, you're setting your rates, you're setting the amount of time you work per week, 
the client can tell you that they need something done by a certain time. For example, my welcome packet, I had an, a, a virtual assistant complete the welcome packet for me and she was an independent contractor. And I informed her that I needed that packet done, I think within like the next week, um, probably gave it to her on Thursday and asked her to have it ready by that next, the following Friday. And so that deadline is something that the client can establish because they need it done by then. And if you can't get it done by then, they'll have to find somebody else who can get it done by then. What I would not have been able to do is say, I need this done by the following Friday and I need you to work on it between the hours of eight to noon every single day, because that's the only time I'm going to be available for questions. That's the, that is the no, that's the absolute no. So that right there is I'm taking away their control. I have taken that virtual assistant's control away. So they still have control over me giving them a deadline. They can always say, no, I can't get it done by the following Friday. It's just not possible. I have too many other clients. It's not available in my schedule. So I, I hope, I really hope this is getting you guys a better picture of what absence of control is really looking like. And the last example I have for you guys is about the business of the worker. So let's think about you're a service provider and you're going in to the client's place of business to do some sort of service for them. This is going to be a really, really not great example. Um, but this is all that I can think about at the moment. So you, let's say that you have the bakery again and you hire an electrician to come in and help you get some electrical work done, right? That person, the electrician, is an independent contractor primarily because he is customarily engaged in electrical work. That is his primary business. He has control over his rates, um, his hours worked, he sets his own appointments, and he is in the business for himself. He is not primarily a baker, he is an electrician. So electrician guy, we'll call him Jim, meets all requirements, A, B, and C. Cool. Now say Jim is working on the electrical. And all of a sudden, you hit a huge busy hour and you're like, Jim, I need you to work this point of sale system. And Jim hops right on the point of sale system. I told you this was going to be a dumb example. But Jim hops on the point of sale system and takes sales for you, exchanges cash, etc. Everything that you would want him to do for the bakery, he packages up some orders. Jim is a really great guy. All of a sudden, Jim, for this hour, has become an employee. You cannot pay him on a 1099 for that hour of work. You have essentially taken away Jim's letter B. He is now not in the business of the worker. He is not. You've also taken away A. Fancy. I don't even know my own stories. So you've, <laughs> you've taken away A, B, and C from Jim. He is no longer in control of what he's doing. He is no longer in the business of his own typical work. And he is not customarily engaged in handling point of sale systems for a bakery. So in order to prevent that, really, you just don't ask Jim to do bakery work when he's doing electrical. But if you are Jim, you are the electrician, that is a hard boundary. If I was the bakery owner and I came up to Jim and I was like, hey, I'm so slammed. I really need your help right now. Jim, absolutely say no. Say no to bakery work. It's not worth it. You lose your independent contractor status. 
I am so sorry for the dumb, dumb example that that was, but I really, <laughs> I hope that made it incredibly clear what the ABCs stand for and how Jim can be personally affected by uh, the loss of both AB and C on his independent contractor status. So I hope this has been a really great episode for you guys. This has honestly been probably one of my favorites to record so far. So thank you for giving me this outlet to just be ridiculous and try my hand at accounting comedy. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I would really appreciate it if you guys would subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it. Give me a review on iTunes or Spotify just so more people can find the podcast and they can listen to me tell dumb examples and funny jokes that I think are funny. You probably don't think they're funny, but and share the accounting advice. I'd really like to be able to reach more people in 2023. So if you feel so inclined, please leave me a review. If you hated it, I would rather you didn't. Um, you can send me an email and let me know why. And yeah, um, show notes will be including the ABC state list and a couple of other resources and also a link to our 1099 ebook that just came out. Um, it is almost uh, January. It's December 1st today when I'm recording this. So it is almost January. It's almost time for 1099s. And that ebook will walk you through exactly how to do your 1099s, how to look for who needs one, um, and what resources are out there for you to file them. So please give it a, um, a look. And if you're interested, it's available for purchase on TatumAccounting.com. I would also love it if you guys followed me on Instagram. You can catch up on everything uh, Tatum Accounting over there, including adorable pictures of my dogs who you might have heard during this episode. And again, I just generally thank you guys so, so much for listening to this podcast um, and for continuing to come back and listen to it. So anyway, I'm going to go now and I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>